very focused on a mission and a vision uh, to truly disrupt product development and design. Um, you know, our goal is to power the next 25,000 growth stage product companies on this platform. Along the way, we're probably going to step on some toes. There's a lot of pitching, pitching the dream, the vision, especially in the early days. I, I remember the early days when we would sign those first, uh, those first deals and we'd get a signature on a subscription agreement. And I mean, it was really exciting. I mean, those were, those were huge wins for us that really helped to propel Andrew and I kind of looking at each other in those kind of late nights and early mornings being like, we know why we're doing this. You know, the industry wants it. This is the Proco 360 podcast, connecting people who love business and love Colorado with stories and lessons of Colorado's world-class entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. All my guests believe that Colorado is different, that success feels different here. That's why Proco 360's tagline is live, work, love Colorado. I'm so proud and grateful to listeners. Proco 360 was recently chosen by Westward Readers as the best Denver podcast for the third year in a row. Thank you. In this episode, I'm speaking with Matthew Klein, co-founder and CEO of Backbone PLM. Backbone is a Boulder-based software solution that helps consumer goods companies get products created and produced fast. Backbone's clients include Allbirds, Warby Parker, Chubby's, Shinola, Black Diamond, and many more that you've heard of. Backbone and its customers are companies that have gone fast to overtake the competition in their markets. And in this episode, we'll talk about how Backbone achieves success, including getting such amazing customers and attracting venture funding of over $21 million. So with that intro, Matthew, thanks for joining me via Zoom as a guest on Proco360. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, good. And, uh, you know, this whole new technology thing, well, it's not new, but we're using it a lot more and, and um, it actually works out pretty well. So let's start, though, with uh, your intro and overview of Backbone. Yeah, definitely. So um, as you said, Backbone works with uh, hundreds of consumer goods companies uh, in multiple verticals uh, across the world. Um, Backbone is a solution that helps these companies design and develop their products faster, smarter, and at scale. Uh, we are a software solution based here in Boulder with offices in New York, California, et cetera. And um, yeah. So what, you know, every great business was formed by solving a problem. So what problem were you solving when you and your brother started the company? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, product development and design has always been um, a very challenging part of the supply chain for, for companies getting products made on time, getting them made correctly, et cetera, has been really, really difficult. Um, there was legacy software that existed in the market before we launched Backbone, but it was built in the last tech cycle and it was older, more enterprise-driven software. And what we saw was that there were thousands of companies popping up every day, day in and day out. Um, and, and really what we saw was the birth of this direct-to-consumer economy that, that took off mm -hmm. before our eyes. Yeah. So we built a we built a solution to to truly um, work and help solve the pain points for those type of companies, um, and from there it just skyrocketed. Uh, we started getting interest from the enterprise, from small brands, medium sized brands. Um, people realized brands realized that now more than ever they need to support their supply chain um, with a solution, and that starts with making your products correct. 
So. You know, it's, it's so funny. Almost every entrepreneur, especially, well, not just especially, any entrepreneur says when you ask them about their company, they say, no one's doing this. We don't have any competitors. This is new. No one's solving this problem. But you did have competitors, and there were people trying to solve the problem already. So what, yeah. what do you think made that happen for you and the way Backbone approached it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, we definitely had competitors. We had competitors that have been in the market for 30 years. You know, PLM, product lifecycle management, is not a new term. Uh, The issue was that it was enterprise-driven, it was on-prem, and it was very clunky old software, just to kind of be frank. And, And what we knew, Andrew and I, that like there was a better way. Um, So, we pay homage and respect to our competitors, but uh, we built Backbone just completely different than, than the competition. You know, we're bored on the cloud. It's a SaaS-based solution. Uh, the user interface and experience is one of the most important things. It's in our ethos here at Backbone. It helps separate us from the competition. And we really built this with the designer and product developer, the daily active users uh, in mind. You know, we build it from the ground up to really support them. You know, I've, I've heard that story from a lot of software companies that, forgive my skepticism, but, you know, they sure. really are talking about incremental change. Yeah. They perceive it as global, massive disruption, but it's not. It's incremental yeah. change, and it allows their competitors to stay in the game. Yeah. You've, cha- you've done that differently, though, right? I mean, what's the difference between what you've, did, what you've done and those less than, less than monumental changes? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, you know, uh, associating ourselves as a cloud-based solution out of the gate is something that uh, the competition is now um, trying to go and retrofit their on-prem solutions for. So that was a clear fork in the road for for us. I think the user interface and experience in PLM traditionally was a complete afterthought. How many features and how much functionality could I get on one page was the way that these companies thought about it. More like uh, using just, ERP stuff. Exactly. Older yeah. kind of .NET frameworks, technology that um, really just didn't lend itself to what you can do today. So our complete modern take um, really gives our daily active user the same experience they would use an app in their consumer life. Yeah. So uh, it really was a yeah. leapfrog, a full leapfrog. Totally. Night yeah. and day. And so then on top watched- of that, I'm sorry, the last thing is, and then on top of that, we like completely rethought um, a number of pieces of the functionality on the supply chain. In Got the app, yeah. so. Well, and to your point, supply chain has become a differentiator as much as design or, you know, yeah. uh, marketing or anything else. So, yeah. Now, yeah. I watched a demo of Backbone by a raving evangelist at Nifty Genius. You, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. He's yeah. one of your customers. Yeah. He kept stressing speed ease of use, avoided mistakes and waste, time to market. Mostly, I get the sense that what he was really raving about was speed, just going fast. So talk about that and how that translates into value for the kinds of customers that you're attracting. Definitely, yeah. I mean, speed to market is everything in today's day and age. Um, It's There's so much competition out there. You have to get your product to your customers, to your retailers, et cetera, first uh, to give yourself a fighting chance. Um, I think with Nifty Genius, they were able to just move so much quicker in their process. Things that took weeks and months 
you know, just the time consolidation was cut down so much by centralizing all that data in the backbone, being able to roll it up into reports, being able to easily send it to suppliers and manufacturers, you know, being able to do all these things quickly in a solution uh, where typically, you know, if you weren't using backbone and you were a company like Nifty Genius, you know, you might be using 10, 15 different applications between project management software, email, PDFs, and version control becomes a huge nightmare, and it's just hard to move fast. Well, and even, um, you know, it strikes me as in that direct-to-consumer market, the advantage that these companies have over the traditional players that are going through retail and channel distribution and all that is that they are fast. So if you can't enable that methodology for them, they really they can't compete as well exactly. against the big guys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, your customers are notable, fast-rising brands like Warby Parker, Chubby's, Allbirds, Birds, um, and I mentioned those. I mean, these are really serious businesses. So, your competitors can't take that lying down, right? I mean, they, yeah. I'm sure they still have some of their old established protocol-oriented customers, but they must want the clients you want, right? So, has yeah. this become, in your terms, like a fight? Yeah. No, it's… Uh you know, we're definitely stepping on toes is is what I like to tell the team. And and that's a good thing, right? That's what business is all about. And um, we love the the challenge. I mean, you know, we, again, respect our competitors, but we're very focused on a mission and a vision uh, to truly disrupt product development and design. Um, You know, our goal is to power the next 25,000 growth stage product companies on this platform. We want to change how products are made um, and that's really what we're focused on. And yeah. along the way, we're probably going to step on some toes. Yeah. So. Well, I want to come back to that 25,000 in a minute, but I want to back up first. Sure. Um, you and your brother, Andrew, saw an opportunity. I mean, what did that moment of discovery look like? Yeah. Uh, I call it the light bulb going off, right? And, yeah. You know, Andrew, uh, who's my brother uh, and co-founder, uh, he's really our visionary. Like he's our chief product officer. I mean, everything that we develop, uh, he designs and thinks up as far as the functionality is concerned. I mean, he's truly just uh, an amazing partner to have. Um, I think, you know, the the moment of clarity really was um, when we knew there was just nothing out there in the market that was solving the problems of today. So, yeah. So, in that you officially started in 2014. Yeah. I always get a kick out of think uh, looking or hearing about what V1 products looked like. I mean, yeah. was it even useful? Yeah, no, it, it you know, <laughs> honestly, it was, um, I think, you know, knock on wood, we kind of got a little lucky in our, in our first <laughs> version, but we gained a lot of traction off that. Yeah. Uh, really? And people, I think, I think it was that there was just, the market was so, um, legacy driven. There was just nothing modern out there. So even, uh, the couple of features and functionality that we put out in kind of, you know, 2015 and whatnot, like we saw just people respond really uh, positively to that. Do you think they responded positively because you were really and truly solving a problem they had, or were they responding positively because they saw hope that you guys were on the right track? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. It was you know, more than hope, it was excitement around there was a new player on the block, somebody who was investing time and resources into rethinking uh, how, how, how it was and yeah. challenging the norm. Uh, and that gained a lot of people's attention. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the great thing was uh, these companies early on 
believed in us, piloted Backbone with us. And we really worked together with these companies to build out the functionality that we have today. And we're really grateful yeah. for that. So these, these companies that piloted, uh, were they paying you any money for software? Or were you just you know, betting on developing partners that could help you build a better product? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I mean, we worked with some companies that um, that didn't pay us, uh, but gave us really great feedback, and you know, uh, were really integral part. And then we definitely had companies early on that were willing to to uh, invest in, uh, in 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 the product and yeah. and try it out. So, were any of them um, strategic partners? Did any of them invest actual dollars or anything else to where they became co-owners at some piece in some way in the business? Yeah, no. So, so none of the clients that we worked with became co-owners in the business, but we were lucky to have some angel investors that were also uh, kind of either C-level executives for some of these companies or uh, brand owners and entrepreneurs yeah. themselves. So that really was exciting for me. Obviously, like we have some really great venture yeah. funds who are invested in Backbone, but to get angels and people within our industry and them putting in their own money was, was really exciting. Well, yeah, and, and and I think it's instructional, perhaps, for other for other software entrepreneurs to think, okay, if we can excite people who are in our industry enough to invest, even if the company itself doesn't, but we get, you know, people bought in um, sure. to what we're trying to achieve. That develops, I think, some stickiness for the company to get traction, even though your, your product may not be great yet, it may just be good. It, yeah. it gives you yeah. it gives you that kind of permission to move forward. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Yeah. Um, so who developed ver version one of back? Yeah, definitely. So our first, uh, kind of technology partner, uh, was a gentleman by the name of Skylar Lipthy and uh, he helped. Yeah. 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 One engineer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, super yeah. talented. Yeah. Uh, we still chat with him today. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's a friend of the business. Um, and yeah, he, he built the first, uh, you know, uh, version of the software for us. Yeah. So. And, and how close really, I mean, is there, is there any of V1 that is still intact or did you just use V1 as a launch pad to develop what the product is today? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the newest version of our software is definitely, uh, it's a brand new code base. Uh, we launched it, uh, in early 2019. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of our, it's our baby, yeah. you know, we're, yeah. it's our, it's our mansion. It's our, you know, kind of scalable technology that yep. we're really excited about. But yes, we took a lot of learnings, a lot of functionality from version one and, and yeah. rewrote it. Yeah. yeah. So you can copy, you can copy how it, what it did, but you can make it much more elegant and much more uh, exactly. scalable. Expandable. Exactly. So, yeah. Yep. Um, so at what point would you say your product had gone from V1 to something worthy of the brands that you now have? Yeah. You know, I would say, I'd say we hit that inflection point um, in 2018. Um, you know, we had worked on uh, the first version of the software for, you know, a couple of years and had really saw some great traction and got some good feedback. And we're solving important problems for, for multi-million dollar organizations on, yeah. that, on that application. Um, and then in 2018, as we started rolling out the second version of the software, that's really where we saw the inflection point. That's really where we saw that um, we were now kind of becoming a market leader 
uh, in the space. Wow. And listeners, this is ProCo360, named Best Denver Podcast, three years running. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Matthew Klein, a backbone PLM. I almost forgot to take this break. I was enjoying our conversation. <laughs> but I want to make sure I thank our great sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Kinsley Meetings, Total Coaching Systems, and the law firm of Holland and Hart. These great companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and ProCo360. Hey, I had one question. I'm just shoehorning it in, yeah, sure. uh, Matthew, and it, it doesn't relate to anything else we're going to talk about or have talked about, but you mentioned that you went to, you, you've gone to trade shows to yeah. kind of explore and learn what the market's looking for. I think that's sort of a secret weapon, perhaps, if you know how mm-hmm. to go to a trade show and how to use that for intelligence seeking. So it's interesting um, I come from the trade show industry. So before I started Backbone, I was running large scale uh, consumer goods trade shows. Uh, so I had, you know, uh, a decent amount of experience attending them, putting them on, et cetera. Um, trade shows are very, they're important. They're valuable. I mean, I think there's nothing like uh, that handshake, that look in the eyes. Um, you can't just show up and set up a booth or you can't just show up and walk the halls. Like you got to have a game plan, a plan of action. So as we've chosen... Uh, different shows to attend, whether they're retail tech conferences, apparel, footwear, accessory, uh, trade shows. Um, We always have a game plan. Uh, We are there meeting with clients, potential clients. We like to do uh, events, you know, surrounding the show, leading up to the show, during the show, after the show. So um, we really do kind of a full core press with our marketing team in order to get like an ROI out of it. uh, Are you you reaching out to decision makers, uh, C-level executives, are you reaching out to product design folks that are the ones who are going to use it and evangelize it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a little bit of both. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to talk to both kind of uh, folks in the, uh, you know, in the sales process. It's important to align with their daily active users uh, who you need to empathize with to make sure that uh, they're seeing the, the value. But you also need that alignment and that buy-in from your C-level and uh, your, you know, kind of leadership and management. Yeah. And so we're sort of on the, the track of talking about selling and all, I think, great entrepreneurs have to be engaged in that. <clears throat> uh, what's the story? I mean, who was your first, who was your first premier brand, your first hot brand that came on? Yeah. Our first company that came on, um, there's a couple of them. I would say like Faraday brand in the menswear industry. They were one of our very first brands and awesome. Uh, and now they're, they're men's and women's to make a beautiful uh, apparel. Uh, Warby Parker uh, was one of our first uh, brands. Um, opening Ceremony and, and Kith uh, were a couple of our uh, so, first companies that, that joined so the platform. What's the story? How do you make that first sale to a big, how did you make that first sale to a big, notable, recognizable company? Yeah. What's you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I think um, the same way that I showed conviction um, to uh, our investors, um, I use that same philosophy uh, when I'm explaining and, uh, and showing the product, uh, whether it's a sales meeting with, you know, a designer, product developer, or, you know, the decision maker, CEO, C-level executive. So it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of pitching pitching the dream, the vision, especially in the early days, 
Uh, and, who did and you really, pitch to at Warby Parker? Who were you pitching? Yeah. The technology team. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, so the IT and technology team, uh, along with the design and product development team, and same thing at Kith. Uh, and same thing at opening ceremony uh, and Verity. Um, so, so yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the call when uh, when they said, "Hey, we're coming on. We're going to start writing you checks." Yeah, yeah, no, no, I do. I, I remember the early days when we would sign those first uh, those first deals, and we'd get a signature on the subscription agreement. And I mean, it was really exciting. I mean, those were uh, those were huge wins for us that really helped to propel. Andrew and I kind of looking at each other in those kind of late nights and early mornings being like, we know why we're doing this. You know, the industry wants it. So for sure. So when you got big clients like those, how many people did you have on staff? Could you fulfill Um, their needs? We could fulfill their needs, uh, but we were a small team, you know, and uh, you know, we, we still are not um, like a huge, huge, you know, company, but at that time, in kind of two thick 2016 and 17, I think we were like 10, 15, 20 people or so on the team. Um, so still, you know, enough to get the job done, but, uh, but it was all hands on deck. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I, I had a little company and I, I used to always oversell figuring I'd figured out afterwards, you know, because yeah. if it's not a stretch, it's, I guess, not that exciting. I don't know. You know? Yeah, Totally. It, but I'm sure you worked hard to make those customers happy. <clears throat> For sure. And we still do. I mean, the customer uh, is at the core uh, of our values as a company. Uh, customers come first. Uh, shareholders, employees, um, and, and others, uh, a near second, but the customer is yeah. first. Cool. And when I say customers, that's, that's plural, right? So that's not just one customer. There's not one customer who drives our roadmap or drives what we're doing, no matter how much they pay or how big they are or how important they are. It's really about the group of customers we're solving yeah. for. And that's really important because our team, uh, our organization has been able to get behind that, that value. So. Yeah. Well, now you want to, you mentioned earlier too, that you want to, you want to help 25, was it 25,000 or 250,000 startups? Yeah. Right. You know, 25,000 growth stage product companies, companies building products, whether you're the next, you know, Neil, Neil and David from Warby Parker or the next, you know, Ty Haney from Outdoor Voices coming up with a collection or you're a growing brand like Movado or Movement or Shinola. uh, We want to support the growth of those businesses on our solution. So as you do that, when you get these little startups and they, you know, you, you get them onto your system or is that like your feeder? Is that a feeder system for you? Do you actually, can you make, make money on a little startup with one or two people, you know, creating their own line? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, for us, I mean, the, so we definitely have, you know, users on the solution that are one and two user um, clients. And then we have, you know, hundred plus user clients. I think there's value for everybody because there's so much functionality within the software. So whether it's the design elements, whether it's our color uh, story elements, whether it's the item master and product development functionality, uh, there's something for everybody. Are are you making money on a one and two user company or are you really doing Mm. it to support your mission, your vision? And because as they grow, they will be your customers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, uh, so, so yes, um, our gross margins and our customer acquisition costs allow us to bring on 
smaller deals. Um, they're obviously not as profitable, but uh, my ethos uh, to the organization is like, I want puppies, not dogs. Um, and I'd rather bring on a company and watch them grow uh, on our platform. Uh, to me, that's why I'm personally doing this. Like I want to change the industry. That's and cool. uh, yeah, so, so yeah, so we definitely, uh, we've, we make it work. Um, I would say, you know, 50% of the brand portfolio today is SMB, early middle market clients, and, and the other 50% yeah. is kind of middle market into enterprise. Cool. Well, and, and you mentioned that you were initially funded by some um, angel funding, and yeah. now you're funded over $21 million, including some money from what people know as very prestigious uh, Boulder-based foundry group, right? So, um, how did you explore funding as you progressed it hasn't been that long. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, fundraising for us has always, uh, it's, it's always just kind of come natural. Uh, we're very blessed in that. I think we stay so focused on uh, building a world-class product and building a world-class organization um, that we had investors along the way that, that kind of came to us. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, we're so grateful to have Foundry Group uh, you know, kind of leading the charge here as yeah. one of our top investors, but we've had some some other great investors on our cap table along the way. Who you know, highly it, respect. It's interesting. I think a lot of entrepreneurs talk about their journey, and they they expect early to go get venture funding, and that's sort of this this um, fantasy or whatever. The they're, they're thinking, you know, I'm going to get venture funding. You know, the really great companies that are solving a real painful problem they don't seem to have to chase the money as, as, as hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Building out a product and starting to sell it tends to attract money, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Hey, <laughs> listeners, reminding you again, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is a show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Matthew Klein, co-founder and CEO of Backbone PLM. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And don't forget to rate Proco360 in your app when you've finished this episode. So, Getting back to Matthew Klein, um, now uh, you're an established company. You're recognized as the best place to work. So you've had a change from being you and your brother to being a, a manager and a leader. How have, you how have you made that transition? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's been an uh, exciting transition for me. I think um, as, as the company's grown, like it's always come inherent to me that uh, I need to grow as well. Uh, as a, as, as a player and, and now as a coach, you know, and, and the coaching is, is even more important. Um, I think it really goes from kind of just saying you're a CEO or a co-founder to really being right to really being the CEO, mm -hmm. helping to drive the mission and the vision, uh, and inspiring the most important thing I can do in my day to day. And before I kind of check out to go to my family, life is to say, who, did I inspire today? Did I, did I help create um, inspiration for the team to go and solve these problems? Because um, as you grow and get to a point, it, me coming in and saving the day, you know, closing a deal, working on this, saying what needs to happen, those are to me one-off wins. In order for Backbone to be successful, 
the team needs to be able to do that time and time again. I, I really take a lot of the philosophies from like some of the great college football coaches. Um, and, and for me, that's what I try to instill in the team. So, yeah, I mean, to your question, um, the role has changed a lot over the last couple of years and it's constantly evolving and changing. Um, to be fully vulnerable, like I'm in uncharted waters. I'm a first time CEO doing this, but it feels more natural than ever. And uh, I know I make mistakes along the way, but I fail forward and I fail fast. And I try to inspire our team to, to be great and, and do better. Yeah. So That's cool. Um, what football coach do you like to follow when you think about that? Yeah, I mean, so many. I mean, definitely my favorite would probably be Nick Saban. Uh, really? Why? You know, you know, I just love his work ethic and I love how, uh, I mean, he said something once that really resonated with me. It's like the way they practice is the way they play. Um, and every single play in that game, every single practice on the field as, is as if it, they're in the red zone with 30 seconds left and it's time to score to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. If you play like that, you're going to win because not everybody plays like that, right? A lot of people just show up. And yeah. showing up is very, very important day in and day out. But to show up and, and, and work with that type of um, – that type of velocity uh, and that type of momentum is, is so crucial to, to success because I'm going to tell you like, you know, starting a company and scaling a company is difficult. Anybody who says it's hockey stick growth right up to the right. And you know, <laughs> it dirt, it's just not the truth. I mean, it's very rocky and it's a roller coaster. Uh, but, but you understand that and you learn from it and you get better from it. And, and that's really where I've seen, backbone um, really start to gel is to kind of take our early learnings from, from, uh, from the early days and, and, and get better and better and better. That's cool. I mean, backbone strikes me as a, it's a prototypical story when you compare to other successful tech startups. So what, what's the biggest thing you weren't expecting, you know, along this journey that you've had? Yeah. Um, I would say how challenging building software is, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a non-technical founder, right? So I'm, I come from the business side of the house. I'm like, when it comes to sales and marketing and even client success, like I have, uh, I came into this, I think with, with a lot of knowledge and, uh, and software information systems, architecture decisions, things like that. I had to learn along the way. And, uh, and I learned a lot, but I think, I didn't realize, I would say I underestimated it, but I think it's just like, it's an eye opener of like how difficult it is to build software. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. And, and, you know, yeah. to be fair, your software is pretty complicated. It's pretty complex. It is. It is, you know, and I think prioritizing a roadmap uh, is, is an art, you know, and, uh, and we're finally getting really good at it because uh, so there is so much we can build. So when you prioritize your roadmap, I'm getting off script here, but no problem. You must be thinking you have to, you have to weigh like what, what is the long game as far as um, the kinds of services and, and uh, operability that customers want versus, you know, what does a customer want today that will make the sale? Um, yeah. You must be faced with those decisions too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, our product roadmap kind of breaks out into a few different kind of sections. I mean, you have the underlying architecture of the software, which you continually have to build for scale. 
Um, you have uh, enhancements to your current functionality to make it better, uh, continue to make the user interface and experience um, best in the industry, world-class. And then you have these epic functionality requests and features we know we want to build um, that are on our product roadmap. And, and the engineering team and the product team, that's what they focus on. And again, it's, it's an art on, on what yeah, we put yeah. into sprints and why. And I think that's part of our secret sauce. Uh, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say we don't, I would say, and we don't chase, we don't chase deals anymore. So we won't go build functionality to win one deal to us. We want to service our current customers uh, and, and continue yeah. to build scalable software. Yeah. So I bet that was tempting early on. It was, <laughs> it was this. one of those mistakes that we made and you know, you kind of, you're like, Oh, we won't do that again. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, shifting gears away from the day-to-day, I mean, you've been, well, this may be still day-to-day, but you've been working all this time with your brother, Andrew, you know, how have you two managed? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's, it brought us closer. I kind of like, can't remember what it was like not working with him. I guess I can remember us as like, you know, young kids and whatnot, but um, you know, I think it's, it's the perfect storm. It's like, Andrew's our chief product officer. He's a visionary when it comes to the actual problem we're solving. He lived in that pain point as a designer at Ralph Lauren and some of the large fashion houses in New York. And, and me coming with the vision on the business and where I want to take the company, it just like, it works really well together. Um, I think it's really brought us closer together. Do we have our, our arguments? Of course, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be business if we weren't debating but they're healthy you know yeah, and no wrestling and, matches like you used to have uh, yeah exactly he <laughs> challenges me uh on 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 where we're going and why and and i challenge him the same way on product and it's not a challenge out of uh you said black i said white it's more of like a challenge of um is this the best we can do is this where we should be going is this what we should be uh developing and at the end of the day i trust him uh and he trusts me and 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 it works and I talk to him, you know, I mean, like a thousand times a day. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. A couple more. I, keeping sure. focused on the theme of uh, the Proco 360 podcast, which is world-class leaders who choose Colorado. How do you feel being in Colorado has played a role in, in Backbone's success? Well, it made me start wearing these hats, I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> uh, I really embrace Colorado personally. Uh, I love it out here, you know, coming from New York and, and seeing the mountains and whatnot. But I think, you know, it's really helped Backbone to focus. Um, you know, when we looked at a home for Backbone, New York, San Francisco, even LA were uh, kind of the, the first initial thoughts. But we wanted to be somewhere where we could get to both coasts very quickly, very easily. Uh, where we could hunker down and focus. And Boulder had an emerging technology scene. And I wanted to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond, but a growing pond. And yeah. that's what that's what Boulder is. And that's what Colorado is. And I mean, I haven't looked back. I love it here. I mean, it's like, literally, I've embraced the culture so much. And just the people, the quality of employees. Um, it's just, it's a great place to to run a company. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, of course. And I, I couldn't help but wonder, I mean, color is not really the hub of the fashion world. Um, yeah. A lot of your clients are part of the fashion world. I mean, what did they say about, about your company, Backbone, being in Boulder? Yeah. 
No, they, they told me I was crazy and uh, investors told me I'd never raise money. So that's why I was like, well, then if, too, if this many people are saying no, then that's where we're going. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think, again, there, there's this quiet outdoor brand world here in Colorado and Salt Lake and whatnot. So there actually was a decent amount of folks in the kind of apparel and uh, footwear accessory industries. Um, but, but again, I'm on the road a lot where I was up until COVID, right? So oh, yeah. uh, we have a small office in New York. I'm in uh, the Bay in LA at least, you know, once every eight weeks or so. So, uh, and we have team members there on the ground who work with a lot of our clients day in and day out. Um, but, but yeah, it, it works. And I think people have, uh, gotten really used to it and they like to come visit us and go skiing. So, uh, that's a great, Hey, let's wrap up with that. Yeah. I, I appreciate awesome. hearing that, uh, your clients are wanting to come here and hopefully by this time, uh, well, sooner than this time next year, they'll yeah. be able to do that. Hopefully next ski season. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, let's wrap up. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Matthew Klein, co-founder and CEO of Backbone PLM. Thanks, Matthew. What a great conversation about a Boulder, Colorado-based success story. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me and uh, have a great rest of the day. Well, thanks. And listeners, before you leave, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Holland and Hart, Kinsley Meetings, Total Coaching Systems, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Thank you.